Twiceborn Podcast. I'm Mike Bailey. If you haven't already, please go to the website twiceborn.net. If you would like to reach out, please email twicebornministry at gmail.com. Enjoy. This morning we're going to continue our series called We Declare. And uh, it's not a southern thing like I declare. It's a we declare. Nobody liked that joke, huh? I will work on it. Um, so we declare, we declare is, is really something that I think is really important because I think I've made the mistake of assuming things that I should not assume about myself or others. And so I think it's important for us to declare things, to say things out loud so that we can all be unified. We're gathered here this morning because 2,000 years ago, a man claimed to be God, died on a cross, rose again, and said, go into the world making disciples. And we're part of that discipleship making. We want to be disciples who make disciples of all generations. We exist in this moment to learn and grow and to mature in our spiritual faith. And so if you're here this morning, you don't know Christ, I'm so glad you're here because you get to see and hear what it means to be a follower of Jesus. If you know Jesus as your savior, I would encourage you to challenge yourself to take the next step. Uh, the walk with the Lord, you never stand still. You keep moving. You keep taking a step day by day by day, and you keep following him as you leads. And so we want to declare these truths so that it's not a mystery what we believe and what we see as God's word saying to us today. We started with the declaration of the church that we're Bible-based, Christ-centered, that what we do here is not something built out of opinions. It's not Mike's idea. It's not the deacon's idea. It's not the leader's idea. It's the word of God, and it's Christ-centered. Everything we do is built around the fact that Christ died for us. He wants us to live for him, and so we want to declare to the world, if you're going to come be part of the church, it's Bible-based and Christ-centered. We talk about the family. We believe that God created the family unit. God created moms and dads. God created families where uh, you will leave and cleave. You will leave your father and mother, and the two will become one flesh, and you will start a new family, and that this is God's plan. It's not man-made. And so we want to declare to the world, this is the best path. This is the path we've been created for. And so we want to share that in a loving way and encourage people that this is the plan God has for us as humans. The community. That God has created us to be part of a community, he's a part of a body, a family, and that everyone's invited into that family. That we're to love people and welcome them into the body of Christ. That whatever background, language, nationality, anyone is from, they are welcome to be part of the body of Christ. And so we want to be welcoming, encouraging, and intentional about going out and reaching the people of this world. The only hope there is, the only hope there is, is salvation in Christ, the gospel. And so if we're going to make a difference in this world, we have to share the gospel with the world today. Well, we're going to look at media and education. Media and education. These are all built out of the National Day of Prayers declarations that we made. And uh, as a community, Volusia County came together and made these declarations that we were going to focus in on these things. And when I think of these two areas, these are our modern, in many ways, our modern challenges, media and education. And maybe you've not thought of it in the terms of the church being involved with media and education, but I believe this is one of the areas the church has to be even more intentional about than ever before. This is how people get a view of the world. They get their worldview from media and education. What they determine right and wrong. What they determine what they should and shouldn't do. How to live your life. Who you are. What your identity is. Has been built on media and education. Um, there's a reason the government put so much money into public school and into the universities. The importance of educating 
bringing people to an awareness or understanding is, is a vital part of teaching people what is right and wrong, what to do and not to do. And so we have a challenge because, unfortunately, uh, if you look back at all of our major universities like Harvard and Yale and Princeton, um, they were started as seminaries to teach the Bible to people on how to share the Bible, how to read the Bible and apply the Bible. Unfortunately, they have shifted away from those things, and almost all of our major universities in our countries have moved away from their initial intent of teaching people how to read God's Word. And even within our public school system, we've moved away. If you've studied the American history and you, the primer that was given to young people, you're going to see that it was Bible-based, Christ-centered, that they were teaching children from God's word, um, morality, and why things are the way they are and what we're to do about it. And so we're falling away from that. We've fallen a great distance. And uh, as Elijah and I were preparing to go on our mission trip, uh, one of my favorite missions books is this book called Bruchko. And I would encourage you, if you like to read, get your hands on Bruchko. It's a great book to read about a missionary who changed much of South America. If you read the book, it's about a man named Bruce Olson. And Bruce Olson, he grew up in a dysfunctional family, didn't get along with his father, had issues, there wasn't a lot of peace at home. And uh, he really had not met the Lord until he was a teenager. And he had a radical experience where he came to know Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior. And at a young age, right out of high school, he felt the calling of God to go to South America. But he was too young to go through any organization. No one would send him. But he felt like God was saying, look, I'm there. I'll take care of you. Just be faithful and go where I send you. And so he had correspondence with a missionary down in South America in Colombia and uh, in Venezuela. He tried to uh, connect, and this missionary said, yes, come, I'll meet you at the airport. Now, he was not even 20 years old, and he left mom and dad, left home. He had $70, and he flew to South America. Guess who was not at the airport when he got there? The missionary. He had nowhere to go. He had no idea what to do. And as you read the book, I don't want to give it all away, um, but he was led into the jungle. He met people, and God would supply his need, whether it's food or medicine or a place to stay. Eventually, he made it into the jungle, and there was a group of people, people called the Metalona Indians. And they were a very violent group of people, and no one ever went near them. They had killed some of the uh, people that were doing oil drilling and oil work there in South America. And so they were the group that they were to stay away from. And through some miraculous events, Bruce makes his way to the Metalona people, and he's able to live with them. Um, he almost dies many times of, of malaria and fever and all these things that you get in the jungle. But God, over time, it took three years living in the jungle. He left as a young man, lived in the jungle for three years. But after three years, God used some miraculous events in the life of the people there in that tribe that they came to know Christ as their Savior in a very special way. And they began to worship Jesus, and they began to realize the importance of medicine and education, and they began to set up hospitals and schools and all of these structures so that they could have a, a place for their children to be educated and have a good uh, hygiene and so now, if you go down, because of all the things that Bruce Olson did, he became friends with the leaders of Columbia. Um, it impacted the entire country. It impacted the entire uh, continent of South America that many hospitals and schools today trace their lineage back to what Bruce Olson had done in the 40s and 50s there in Colombia and in Venezuela. And the power of God 
changed an entire culture. Now, they didn't become Americans. They didn't, come, they didn't start dressing like us or acting like us. God used their culture to bring his gospel and did powerful things. And now they're sending missionaries to other parts of South America and other parts of the world. All because this man made a commitment to go to a place that seemed impossible to reach. No one would go to these Indians. No one would travel to this place. It was too dangerous. They're too primitive. They're too uh, barbaric. They'll kill you. They have horrible practices. And yet, because Bruce Olson was faithful to what God had given him to do, he went there, and they have changed for eternity because of his commitment. I bring this up because I believe we are much more like that Indian tribe today in our nation than we've ever been. I think we've walked away from our foundation We've walked away from the truth of God's word. We've decided to do it our own way. And we have a whole generation of people that don't know anything about Jesus. They have no education about God's word. It's a mystery. We live in a world, in a nation, in a a, a culture here, even in Port Orange, that really do not understand what the Bible says and what promises God has made to them. And so that's where I believe we need to focus this morning when we talk about what can the church do to make a difference in the world? What can we do to make a difference in the world? I believe when it comes to media and education, God has given us a great calling. Just like he said to Bruce Olson, the reason the book's called Bruchko, the the natives couldn't say Bruce Olson. So they said Bruchko, Bruchko. That was what they could say. That's what it sounded like to them. And he invested in them and he was patient And because of his patience, he was able to teach them about God's word. They called it the the banana leaves was the Bible. That was God's word came from the Bible was God's banana leaves to us. And so we need to have that same experience in our schools and our universities here. So before we go to God's word, let's precede it with prayer. Father God, we thank you for another day of life. We thank you that you're the creator of the universe. We thank you that you are the alpha and the omega. We thank you that you're more just and righteous than we are, that you're perfect in every way. And Lord, we come to these moments and we, want to, we just want to quiet the flesh. We want to quiet distractions. We want to turn away from self and turn to you. And so, Lord, as we look at your words, you say they won't return void, that these words can penetrate our soul, they can transform our lives. And so, Lord, we ask right now in your name that you would speak to us clearly, that we would understand what you have for us, and that, Lord, we would live out these truths, that we would apply these truths to our lives, that this wouldn't be some mystery that doesn't uh, apply to us, isn't relevant, but this is the most relevant thing in our life right now, is listening to your Holy Spirit and to your words, that they would guide us. As we look forward to your return, we pray that you'd speak to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. As we look at this throughout God's word, we're going to be looking in Old Testament and New Testament. And one of the things to recognize is, and as you study God's word and the establishment of the Hebrew people, we call them Jews today, um, they put a, a major or high emphasis on education. They wanted to train their children from a young age. And if you study God's word, it's interesting to note that uh, even before the Torah or the Pentateuch, the, the, the books that Moses had recorded for us, they would tell stories based on the stars or they would tell stories passed down to them. And so it was always an important thing to share what God had done, who God was, what he had taught us as people, how we could know him. And so for for the foundational years and throughout all of the history of the Jews and even to this day, 
It is vitally important to train up young people in the, the wisdom and understanding of God's word. And so they were, God was very clear that he gave us the gift of language. Have you ever thought about how amazing language is? Have you ever really took a step back and thought, what if we didn't have language? What would life be like? How hard would life be if we didn't have language? How hard would life be if we couldn't write things down or record things? These are two really enormous gifts that God has given us. The gift of language, speech, and then also the gift to record it on paper, on computer, on papyrus, all of these wonderful things that God has blessed us with so that we can remember truth, that we can record truth, and that God himself can speak to us so that we know it. And so God has given us language. He's given us the ability to record language. And he said, I'm going to give you some information. I'm going to tell you where you came from, why you're here, and where you're going. That's pretty important, isn't it? We need to know where we came from. Where is our origin? We need to know, why am I here? What's the purpose of today? We need to know, where am I going? What does the future hold? And so God, through his Holy Spirit, revealed to us as humans where we came from, why we're here, and where we're going. And he said this in Deuteronomy, which means second law. If you have your Bible, it will be on the screens as well. Deuteronomy 11:18. Here's what he says about that word. Imprint these words of mine on your hearts and minds. Bind them as a sign on your hands, and let them be as a symbol on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit in your house, and when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you get up. Write them on the doorpost of your house, and on your city gates, so that as long as the heavens are above the earth, your days and those of your children's may be in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors." If you go to Israel today, you will see rabbis at the, the wall, the, the wailing wall. They'll be there, and they'll have their whole garment on with their prayer shawl and all the things that they have. And one of the things that some of the, the leading, uh, uh, not Pharisees, <laughs> uh, the, the synagogue leaders or the, the, uh, the rabbis will have is they'll have a phylactery, which is a box that will be placed upon their head, and it will have the Torah within it, a small Torah within it to remind them of what is so important, the foundations of the law, the foundations of God's word, that they took this so literal that they actually live this out. But what is being taught here is this, is that we all learn in different ways. Some of you are learning well because I speak. Some of you have already tuned me out because you don't learn by how people speak. Some people learn by seeing things. Some people learn by doing things. We all learn in different ways. But God says, whatever it takes, teach your children this. Whatever it takes, train up your children in these truths. Whatever it takes, if it takes putting it on your house wall, if it takes writing it on your hand, if it takes wearing it on your forehead, do whatever it takes so that they will not forget these truths. Because my uh, inclination or my proclivity, which meaning I, my flesh is always going to lead me away from this. I'm always going to want to do my own thing. I'm always going to focus on the things that don't really matter. The things that I think are important to me aren't always the things that God says are important. So I have to refocus. And refocusing on God's word is so important. To have that in our lives, that we're constantly coming back and saying, what does God say about this? What is the truth about this? How can I teach my children about this? I believe we're neglecting this in so many ways in our modern culture. 
We're teaching our children to do whatever you want to do, be whatever you want to be. There is no accountability to a creator. There is no truth outside of the truth that you create. And so we have a challenge. We have to teach that there is an absolute truth, that God has established a universe that is absolutely fine-tuned. And in that fine-tuned universe, he has established things that are undeniable, that telling the truth matters, to not commit adultery, to not steal, to not lie, that all these things are vitally important to train our children in, to come back over and over again and say, yes, you're going to want to do that. Yes, your flesh is going to want to do that. But this is the word of God, and his word and way is best. And we learn and grow in his knowledge. And so we recognize that God has gifted us with education. And for most of the church's history, we've emphasized that, that as a young person, you are to be trained and equipped in these things so that you know what does God's word say. And how do I apply it to my life? And so we have a great challenge ahead of us because there is a problem. And here's the problem. 1 Timothy 6, 20 through 21 says, he's talking, Paul's writing to Timothy. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you, the word of God, the gospel. Avoid irreverent and empty speech and contradictions from what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some people have departed from the faith. I believe there's a voice that's come and said the Bible is false, God isn't real, do what you want. And I think it's predominantly in our universities, it's predominantly in our our education system that says this thing is a joke, why could you ever believe this, it's outdated, it's old, it doesn't matter today, forget about it, it's not relevant. And unfortunately, just like Timothy was told to guard against this, It has impacted our our culture. It's impacted the people around us. If you've ever heard of Barna, he's called Bad News Barna because he gives statistics about what's happening in the church. In 2019, he did a a poll. He does large polls and and gathers large information. He found out that 64% of 18 to 29-year-olds who grew up in the church no longer attend church. 64% of a whole generation have said there's a better way than God's way. 64%. We have a great challenge ahead of us. We have a great God, and he can, this challenge isn't impossible, but we need to recognize it. And the true problem is that there's been things taught, and they've been received, and because they've been received, they have grown into trees. They've grown They've produced things, and what they've produced is a godless generation. And so the question for us this morning is, what can we do about that? What can we do about a whole generation of people that have basically said, we don't believe this anymore? We don't receive this anymore. How many of us in this room know someone personally that says, I don't believe it? I don't think it's true. I don't trust it. We live in a world of that says this is not true? How do we respond? What is God's answer to these challenges? If you look to Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15, I think we need to go back to this place. I think for me and for us, we need to reemphasize this truth in our hearts. We must focus on these truths and apply them to our lives if we're to make any real impact in the world around us. Romans 10, 14, and 15 says this, How then can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? 
And how can they hear it without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. We need to stop looking and assuming that the world believes the way that the church teaches or that God teaches us through his word. We have to stop assuming that the world has received this. The world has rejected this, but not only have they rejected, they don't know it. People don't know that there's a loving, gracious God that wants to forgive them of their sins, wants to invite them in to be part of his family eternally, and that the only thing keeping them from that is an unwillingness to repent and believe. That anyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. The enemy has done an amazing job to turn the church into a place where people see it as a, as a group of people. The only thing they know about us is they think we hate certain groups of people. That's all they know. They think we gather together to talk about how we hate other people. If we're educated in God's word, if we read God's word, we read what Jesus says, and he says, you must love your enemy and pray for those who, who distrust you or treat you poorly. We're to pray for our enemies and love them. We are never given the okay to hate anyone. I don't hate anyone. I don't hate any group of people. Actually, the reality is, as a true believer in Christ, we want the absolute best for every human on the planet. I want the absolute best for every human I will ever meet. And the absolute best is for them to know God personally, to know him as their savior. It is not best for me to do whatever I want to do. It is not best for me to be whatever I want to be. That is not the best for any human being. That is a lie. It is a distraction from truth. And it is destroying lives and it's destroying a culture. The absolute truth is when I am right with God, I have peace that passes all understanding. When I am right with God, I have a joy that comes from within, not from without. And the only place you get that is when we educate the world and say, look, I hear that's what they're saying. I hear that's what the world says. Let me tell you what God says. That God loved this world so much that he left heaven and gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world, that by through him it may be saved. It's a message of hope. But it's something that needs to be proclaimed. It's something that has to be clearly stated. It's something that we as the church, whether it's through media, whether it's through education, we need to train from a child all the way through that this is the foundation as a human. Because you can know everything there is to know about every area, whether it's mathematics, science, history, all the things that we teach in our schools. If the foundation isn't the word of God, then it's frivolous and meaningless and pointless. It's just... Very temporary knowledge. It'll only last as long as you have it and you're alive. And so we have to understand the urgency. We have to understand that uh, we can't assume that the world knows this message, this good news, this education. You're lost but can be found. That a God who loves you, he formed you in your mother's womb. He knows more about you than you know about you. He is not there to make you feel guilty for the rest of your life. He is not there to push you in a direction that makes you miserable. He is there because he loves you desperately and does not want to leave you where you are in your sin and lostness. But until people hear this good news, they won't know. And all they'll think when they drive by this church and every church is, well, the, you know, they're very strict people and they try to do good and they're kind of judgmental and whatever that list is that, that people convince themselves. We've got to change that. We've got to get out there and share the good news of the gospel. We've got to be like Bruchko 
and get out there and get to know people and love them so that we can teach them the truth, that God would open the doors for us to share the gospel with them. And so that causes for us to be motivated. We need to reach the lost. When we reach, we teach. And when after we're done teaching, we send them out. This is the routine of the church. This is how it multiplies. This is how it grows. This is how it gives faith and strength. As we reach people with the good news of the gospel, we teach them how to be a disciple of Jesus, and then we send them back out to people like them because the only hope people like them have is that Jesus is their Savior. Are we committed to that today? Are we willing to declare that as a family in this room that we're going to do whatever it takes to reach, teach, and send in the name of Jesus? Am I willing to do what it takes because here's what we're told. This is amazing. I want you to think about this. I want you to really concentrate on this for a moment. Matthew 24, 14 says this. This good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Do you know what Jesus is waiting for to come back? Us to go and tell. Reach and teach and grow and send. He's waiting for the church to do the mission he's given us to do. To proclaim to the world the good news of Jesus Christ. We make a declaration of education. Through God's people function throughout this world system, we will not be ensnared or compromised by shallow, vain, or empty philosophies. We can't be distracted by the things that the world teaches. I think one of the challenges I have as a pastor, and I think we have if you're a believer in Christ, too many times we try to argue from another foundation. We argue. Why are we arguing? We don't need to argue, and we don't need to use the other foundation. The world will come to you and speak from its foundation and say, here's our foundation of truth. Its foundation of truth is not, it's sand. It shifts with popular opinion. It shifts year to year, day to day. The foundation of what the world has to say is a slippery slope. I would encourage you and I encourage myself, when I love people and educate people and point people to Christ, I build on the foundation that is a rock that has been the same yesterday and will be the same forever. The rock of who Christ is is a foundation you can build your entire life on. It's something that, that is there and strong and sturdy, something that I can look towards for understanding. When it comes to any of the issues of life, I can look to it and say, how can I be educated in marriage? I'll look to God's word. How can I be educated as a father? I look to God's word. How can I be educated as a pastor? I look to God's word. How can I be educated as a, a citizen of the United States? I look to God's word. How can I be educated on how to vote? I look to God's word. How can I be educated on how to use my free time and my money? I look to God's word. It is the education that teaches me how to do the things that I do every day. And so, this tool is here for us. Are we committed to sharing it with others? Are we committed to say this is what we need to be doing in our culture? We have a homeschool co-op that meets here. And they'll be meeting next year. And we're going to be teaching the Bible. 
And we're going to be teaching the worldview that God created, and you're a valuable human being created in the image of God, and that everyone is, and we're to equally love each other, and that there should be respect and dignity, and yet we're also accountable to that loving God, and that he has called us to repent and believe in his his son, Jesus Christ. And when we do that, we become part of his family. This is the education children need to hear. This is the education every man, woman, and child needs to hear. Are you ready to be part of that? Are you willing to commit yourself to educating and teaching the gospel, sharing it with those in your life? Some of you have children. Some of you have grandchildren. Some of you have nieces and nephews. Are there loving ways that you can point them to understanding where they came from, why they're here, and where they're going? When we go to Africa, we go to Africa, Yes, we'll be giving food. Yes, we'll be giving clothes. Yes, we'll be helping in many ways. But the most important thing is that we share the gospel, the death, burial, resurrection of Christ, that they can know that they are saved and their eternity is set in the Lord. But it's a commitment you and I make here and now. It's a commitment we make every single day of our life. Tomorrow morning, will you continue this commitment? On Tuesday, will you continue this commitment? What impact, what impact will we as a family have on the world around us? How will God use us in the days ahead to share this good news, to educate the young so that they may grow up and educate their children one day? What is God saying to you right now? How is he speaking into your heart? For a few moments, I would ask that we just close our eyes. Church is much more than just a a gathering of people to sing songs and listen to a message. Church is an opportunity for us to listen to the Holy Spirit of God, to open our hearts, to open our souls to what he's telling us. And so for just a moment, if you would just allow the Holy Spirit of God, what is he placing upon your heart right now? 